the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as I've shared with you in the past, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. And that is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation laws and a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, because of my education, my training, my experiences, and my life's observation, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance, as well as the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. However, I also practice some related fields that includes debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now with these areas of law as my reference points, That is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business financial aspects of everyday life, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat, and because I helped create one with my former military spouse, I know firsthand just how hard it can be economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines, and their families in our less than patriotic economy that's based on capitalism when there's nothing wrong with capitalism. But sometimes it bashes or clashes with the needs of our separated service members. As such, I proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And because of my ingrown, innate respect for our elders, when the situation is ripe, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who more and more find themselves not only the targets, but unfortunately, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our society today. 
So I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and of course, small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your other assets. Now, today we're going to continue our discussion on inflation and what we as Americans can do to deal with inflation in our daily lives. Again, according to Trent Larson, who is a certified financial planner, and Jennifer Mullins, who's an attorney in their article entitled How to Deal with Inflation, Protect Your Money and Investments, and it was published on WikiHow on February 12, 2022. Now, Larson and Mullins say inflation can make it hard for your hard-earned money. Uh, It just doesn't, because it just doesn't go as far as it used to. But there are ways you can things you can do in ways you can make sure that you can take control of the situation and protect your personal finances. They say, number one, to create a household budget, if you don't already have one, cut spending where you can, get a roommate or figure out some way to save on housing costs, negotiate lower rates for your regular bills, hunt for discounts and coupons to save on your purchases, They also suggest that you stockpile shelf-stable foods and household items. They also recommend that you find alternative ways to earn some extra cash, postpone purchases of big-ticket items, set your thermostat back to save heating and cooling costs, drive conservatively so you'll use less fuel, And get an online banking account because some of them offer extra goodies that you won't get from your brick and mortar bank. So Larson and Mueller offer sound advice that many of us who were lucky enough to spend time with our grandmas or our grannies or our gammies or our grandgrands or our nanas or our grandmas or our omas or our yayas or our nonas or our tati bahinis or our bubbies or our babuchkas. Especially if they lived through the Great Depression and or World War II and as a result of their own privation learned how to live and even thrive on little or nothing. Such that when we came along Our generation came along, us baby boomers came along in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. We were lucky enough to be able to spend some time with them in their modest homes during our summer vacations. 
Now, these lovely ladies and sometimes their male counterparts or our papas would make us wonderful meals with fresh vegetables and herbs from their latter day victory gardens and a handful. I'm talking about a handful of meat scraps or a soup bone and they'd make these wonderful meals that were not only delicious and nourishing for not only our bodies but also our spirits and our very souls and these same grandmas and grannies and gammies and grandgrands and nanas and grandmas and omas and yayas and nonas and tutuahinis and bubbies and babishkas They also, as we were growing up, they made us so happy that after we actually became adults, as a direct result of their never-ending oratories emphasizing our need to focus on going to school, listen to our teachers, and obtaining a solid education and thereby obtaining a good job such that we were able to afford homes in the suburbs. And when they would come and visit us in our modern homes, they would constantly admonish us to turn down the furnace because we were wasting fuel that we might need one day when times got bad. Well, once again, our collective grandmas and grandfathers' wisdom have been proven to be prescient because those bad times are front and center here and now. As we not only have to deal with inflation that's been caused by the economic fallout of the ever-mutating viral pandemic, and the, as well as the invasion of a sovereign state's crazy neighbors, that has all of us staring down the barrel of World War 2.5, if not World War III. So what can we in the United States do? Well, we must learn to live with inflation and deal with it such that we as economic units, be we individuals, families, or small business owners who are not directly in harm's way today can sustain ourselves and our families and our businesses and thereby free up some resources that we can use to help others and also prepare for the day in the not too distant future when we may in fact find ourselves directly in harm's way. So when we come back, we'll take a deeper dive into today's topic of inflation and what we as American economic units can do to deal with inflation that can help sustain ourselves now and going forward and indirectly allow us to gather resources that can be used to assist our Ukrainian brothers and sisters and our sisters Um, You know, right here in the United States who are poor and needy, and also those in other places around the world. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. 
Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our deep dive in today's topic. That is to say, inflation and what we as American economic units can do to deal with inflation that can help us sustain ourselves now and going forward and indirectly allow us to develop some resources that can be used to assist our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, as well as our own poor and needy brothers and sisters right here in the United States, as well as others all around the world. So what can we in the United States do? We must do all that we can to deal with inflation. But first, we must have a good grounding in that subject matter. So, again, what is inflation? Well, according to Investopedia, the online financial literacy platform located at www.investopedia.com, inflation is the decline of purchasing power of a given currency over time. A quantitative estimate of the rate at which the decline in purchasing power occurs can be reflected in the increase of an average price of a basket of selected goods and services in an economy over some period of time. The rise in the general level of prices often expressed as a percentage means that a unit of currency effectively buys less than it did in a prior period or periods. Inflation can be contrasted with deflation, which occurs when the purchasing power of money increases and prices decline. Further, inflation can also be contrasted with stagflation, which occurs when in an economy that's going in or spiraling down into a recession, okay? And in that particular situation, the economic growth rate slows and unemployment remains high. It presents a dilemma for economic policymakers since actions intended to lower inflation may exacerbate unemployment. So what causes inflation? There are three main causes of inflation, something called demand-pull inflation, cost-push inflation, and built-in inflation. Demand-pull inflation refers to situations where there are not enough products or services being produced to keep up with demand, causing their prices to increase, a la the purported global gas and oil shortage that have pulled pulled up the price of gas here in California to over $5 per gallon. As far as cost push inflation goes, on the other hand, it occurs when the cost of producing uh, goods and services rise, forcing businesses to raise their prices. An example here are the additional costs of merchandise to ship the components of the products that are produced in China due to a supply chain bottleneck that have pushed the cost up of finished goods. And then lastly, built-in inflation, sometimes referred to as 
wage price spiral occurs when workers demand higher wages to keep up with the rising living costs. This in turn causes businesses to raise their prices in order to offset raising wage costs, leading to a self-reinforcing loop of wage and pricing increases. An example here is what the pandemic and now the war in Ukraine is causing all of us to reflect on our current jobs. And many of us have decided that we won't work for tuppence anymore at a company or companies that don't respect our humanity or the planet. And as such, we won't work for these wages anymore. And so that's causing businesses that want our skills and talents to pay more for those of us who stay. So when demand for a living wage goes up, some companies that are already making killer profits will increase the cost to all consumers. But you know, notwithstanding what I just told you about the downside of inflation, like most things in life, inflation has some good aspects for an economy. For an example, in an article written by Kimberly Amadeo, entitled Reasons Why Inflation is Good, Two Ways Inflation Helps You, which was published on January 20, 2022, in The Balance, uh, and that's a personal financial education platform that's located at www.thebalance.com. According to Ms. Amiato, inflation is good when it is mild. There are two situations where this occurs. The first is when inflation makes consumers expect prices to continue to rise steadily. When prices are going up, people want to buy now rather than pay more later. This increases demand in the short term. And as a result, stores sell more and factories produce more now. They are more likely to hire new workers to meet the demand now. It, however, can create a vicious cycle boosting economic growth. It's, you know, sometimes considered vicious, but sometimes it's considered virtuous. Now, the second is when it removes the risk of deflation. That's when prices fall. When that happens, people wait to see if prices will drop more before they make their buying move. It cuts back demand and businesses reduce their inventory. As a result, factories produce less and lay off workers. Unemployment rate rises, leading to wage deflation. Workers have less money to spend, which reduces demand even more. As such, businesses lower their prices. That makes deflation even worse than inflation. For this reason, deflation is even more corrosive to economic growth than inflation. And just as to back that up, prices fell 10% during the worldwide Great Depression. So from these contrasting factual basis, you can now see why the Federal Reserve Board, whose primary purpose is to keep prices stable and employment 
high has such a hard time figuring out how much inflation is needed to achieve its monetary policy goals for our society and our economy as a whole. But getting back to us as individuals and families and small business owners as economic units, we can control as opposed to the Fed. We can control our spending habits by controlling our execution of our budgets. But first, we have to create a budget. Uh, Now, creating a budget, while it doesn't sound very exciting, it's something that we all must do. It is vital in keeping our financial houses in order while we strive to get to the other side of this collective mess we're in as a worldwide society. So, But before you begin to create your budget, it's important that you realize that in order to be successful, you have to provide as much detailed information as possible. Ultimately, the end result you as the end result of creating a budget, you will be able to show where your money is coming from and how much is there and where it's going. And I got to tell you that I spend a lot of time with my clients in bankruptcy, helping them figure out how to develop a budget such that they can pay off the, the debts that they have to pay while they're in a reorganization. And um, it's very crucial because as part of that process, especially if you're in a small business chapter 11, you have to produce uh, monthly operating reports that show what you're doing with the money that's coming into the business and what's going out, a form of a budget. So how do you create a budget? Well, you have to gather every financial statement that you can. This includes your bank statements, your investment accounts, your recent utility bills, and any information regarding the source of your income and expenses. The key for this process is to create a monthly average. So the more information you can dig out and and put into this budget, which is a template, the better off you'll be. Now, you need to have records of all your sources of income, part-time jobs, passive income like rents or or, or royalties from your books that you've written, okay? And if you're self-employed or have outside sources of income, be sure to record these as well. If your income is from your paycheck where taxes are automatically deducted, then you use your net income, you know, uh, or just work. If you're going to work off your net pay, that's fine as well. You have to create a list of monthly expenses. Write down a list of everything you expect to to, or plan to spend on. And that's your mortgage and car payments, automobile insurance, groceries, utilities, your entertainment, dry cleaning, auto insurance, retirement, college savings. And if you tithe, you list your tithing amounts. You need to break your expenses into two categories, fixed and variable. Fixed are those that you have to pay. Your mortgage, variable changes, groceries. Maybe you're going to, you know, go be a vegetarian for a while. So those are variable. And you, you take your monthly income and expenses and you show where it's going. You prioritize your fixed expenses and then you have a little wiggle room with your variable expenses. And you need to be able to make adjustments to your expenses 
and you need to review your budget monthly. That's key. So we're going to leave it there for now. Uh, when we get together next time, we'll continue looking at ways to strengthen our own personal fiscal prowess. But as always in closing here at Salwin's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law. And whether we are small P producers or large C consumers, we need to know how to use the laws of supply and demand to help us get to the other side. In the meantime, until we get together again, as much as it appears that summer, all of the variants of COVID-19 and its prodigies will be for, with us for the imaginable future, <laughs> I once again ask you to please get vaccinated and boosted. And even if you have all your shots, but especially if you don't, please take the necessary precautions to protect not only yourselves and your families, but those of who you come into contact with, including me, by keeping your social distance, masking up, and washing your hands. So bye for now. Till next time, please take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.